Hey guys, Michael here. I just wanted to jump in at the top of the show here for just a quick second to let you know that unfortunately there was a bit of an audio issue with uh, my guest's audio for today, Pedro. Uh, while we were talking, obviously it sounded fine. But uh, when I got his audio track, it was, I don't know if it was corrupted or if there was some sort of echo, but there's a really pervasive sort of thwapping sound that I was not able to edit out. Um, hopefully you guys will be able to still listen, but just in case you can't, I wanted to give you the too long, didn't read version here at the top of the show. Pedro works for a company called Paradigm Concepts, and they have a living campaign setting called Arcanus. This came out right around the time of uh, third edition or so. Uh, when fourth edition came out, they actually turned it into their own game system, which was a fan favorite and an Origins award-winning system. And now with fifth edition coming out, they're kind of reverting it back to a living campaign, but they're not necessarily going away from their own system. Um, but specifically what we were talking about for this episode was a Kickstarter that they've launched called Reforged, which is an updated version of a book that came out previously. Uh, it's got 400 or so magical items. Most of them are very lore heavy, have a lot of flavor and, and story behind them that they're now updating them to the 5th edition OGL rule set. As of this recording, it has already funded and it's working towards some stretch goals. So please, uh, I hope you'll take a, a look at that. And then Arcanus itself uh, is a very cool se uh, setting. It's something that uh, Henry, who is one of the founders of the company, basically it was his home game. And there's a lot of cool flavor to it. And we do get into some of that during the, the interview, uh, some of the things uh, about the, the world that Henry has created that I thought was very cool. And in a way to kind of show that, um, Pedro has actually given me the ability to share with you uh, the D20 Arcanus Codex. It's a 250 plus page uh, PDF that will be linked in the show notes. It's free to download for you guys to download and check out some of the Arcanus lore. And uh, hopefully you'll get uh, into it and want to see more. Uh, they are going to be at Origins this year. They do, I guess Origins is kind of like their con. They are a big presence there. And they're going to be doing um, a LARP, something called a Battle Interactive, which is a big multi-table battle, as well as regular adventures. I have signed up for one. Uh, and there's also a chance that Arcanus may be able to support a Catacon with some exclusive adventures. So hopefully you will listen to the actual episode because there's some cool stuff that we get into. But just in case... I wanted to throw this out. So the super too long didn't read. Uh, Pedro's a super nice guy. Arcana sounds really cool. They have a Kickstarter going right now. Please uh, check it out. With that out of the way, please enjoy the show. Oh, actually, one other thing. I had not yet listened to the latest show and tell, the one that Caleb did with Kat and James for their no noisy person card Kickstarter, where he did the choose your own adventure. I didn't hear that yet, so I didn't play the game with Pedro because I didn't know where the story had left off, which apparently is a really good thing because if you haven't listened to that episode, it went to some weird places. But hopefully in our next guest, we'll be able to continue the story. So now with that, on to the show. Hello and welcome to Show and Tell, the podcast series from the RPG Academy, where we bring on a guest and we talk about something cool. Today's guest is Pedro, but you may know him as Stat Monkey. He is the director and all-around rules aficionado for Paradigm Concepts. 
which is a company that has a couple properties, but specifically today we're going to talk about Arcanus. Now, originally Arcanus was a campaign setting that was developed back in the 3.0, 3.5 days, possibly even earlier. It eventually became its own game system. And now with 5th edition coming out, they are sort of going full circle and going to recreate the campaign world for 5th edition or make it compatible. They also have a Kickstarter that is going to be launching very soon. Can't put the dates because I'm not sure when this is coming out and when the Kickstarter goes live, where they're going to re-release a product called Magic Reforged, which will be chock full of very flavorful and lore heavy magic items that you can plop down into your 5th edition games. So with all that out of the way, Pedro, or StatMonkey, welcome to the show. First of all, I would like to say it's an honor to be here. I've been following you guys for a long time, and I'm really geeked out about uh, being on the podcast. Well, we are just as excited to have you today as well, but thank you for that. Now, there's kind of a funny story about how you and I met. Uh, not too long ago, I was at Winter Fantasy, and I was running my d and Dread game. And while we were playing, you were watching. I, I noticed you a couple times. You were on your laptop, and uh, you you kind of you were getting into it. Like I could tell that you know when any time the tower would start to ta- wobble or tilt, you know I have a very visceral reaction to that. A lot of people like watching me run dread because I'm funny doing it because I get so into it. But you were just as into it. You thought it was pretty cool too. Uh, and I noticed that. So when the game was over, I'm like, all right, here's a chance for me to hard sell a catacon to some dude. So I'll walk over there and introduce myself, and you're like, hey, you're RPG Academy? I know you. I listen to your show, which made you instantly my uh, new best friend. Yeah, that's just watching you guys. Every time I was listening to the first of all, I'm working on the book I'm going to tell you about, but then I'm listening to you guys play, and I look over, and every time somebody's reaching over into the pile, the tension in your table was amazing. So at some point, I stopped typing. I just started (laughs) staring you guys. Well, that is another reason to run Dread if you like attention, because uh, it draws attention. But we're not here to talk about Dread or talk about me. We're here to talk about you. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your company, Paradigm Concepts, and then specifically Arcanus? Well, Paradigm Concepts, we've been around uh, for a little bit over 10 years. Actually, I think it's closer to 15. Jesus. Uh, we started out with the the D20, the first D20 kickoff in 3.0. Uh, we started off with our flagship line, Arcanus, the world of Shattered Empires. Um, and we started at the same time Living Greyhawk started with our own campaign called Living Arcanus. Well, during Living Arcanus, we did a five-year story arc uh, that brought the characters from first level all the way to 21st. And it, it was epic, it, it, insanely complicated, so many subplots, um, but it was a blast. And at the same time, we released a bunch of books for Arcanus. We released a Codex Arcanus, Forged in Magic, uh, Magic of Arcanus, and uh, some of them actually got uh, some acclaim. I know we were nominated for the Best D20 product at Origins. We won Fans' Choice in the Ennies Award also. And then with the advent of 4th edition, we kind of like went off on our own and we wrote our own system for Arcanus, uh, which won the uh, Best Game of the Year at Origins. But now with 5th edition, we're kind of like going back to what started it all. So what we're doing is we're restarting the 5th edition, the D&D quote, end quote, campaign. Uh, We're calling it Living Arcanus again. And it's not like the campaign ever stopped because we we have a campaign with the new system called Legends of Arcanus, 
So what the new 5th edition campaign is going to do is going to come out with about uh, 14 to 15 free adventures to get people into the game. Uh, we're also going to be putting out a free product called the Arcanus Primer, which will have some world info. It's going to have uh, info on our religions. And it's going to have everything you need to grab the current player's handbook and use it in Arcanus. Um, we're going to have a bunch of stuff in it, like um, some how to use the backgrounds. Uh, we're going to have a new class in it called Holy Champion, which is kind of like an incredibly flavorful paladin. In Arcanus, all our religions are very unique. So the paladin really didn't, in our the way we feel, didn't really represent our religions. So we created this new class that from the get-go, your god changes your skill proficiency, your armor proficiency, your weapon proficiencies, and so on. When you get third level, you get to join an order. Every religion has more than one order, but at the beginning, we're only going to present one of each. And every order, again, is very unique. For example, uh, we have an order of the goddess of nature, Salue, that they could create armor and weapons from the ground. It grows up around them. Another holy champion order of Sharish, which is the god of magic, and also the binder of infernals, which uh, the story is so cool. They actually have an infernal bound into their bodies. And as they go up in level, they learn how to tap into different aspects of the infernal within them. But the entire time they're going up in level, they have that infernal whispering in their minds, trying to corrupt them. So that just gives you an idea of like what we're going to be doing with 5th edition and Arcanus. Okay. So when you started Arcanus, it was essentially a campaign setting, mm -hmm. like Eberron or Forgotten Realms or anything else like that. And then um, when the 4th edition rule set came out, that mechanical system didn't really fit with your type and style of play. Exactly. So you just created your own game called Arcanus that would use your setting. Yep. But now that 5th edition has come out and it, it more closely matches the original flavor behind the game and the setting, you're just reverting it back to a campaign setting. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it, because 5th edition kind of recaptures a lot of the feelings that me and my partners, uh, Henry and, and Nelson and Jimmy, felt like when we played 1st and 2nd edition. Because it, it gets this great balance of like 1st edition feel and 3.0 mechanics in just the right way that it really feels like we could go back to it. So we are. Uh, we're gonna go, we're going back to it now. We're not abandoning the system we created. Uh, the uh, the Legends of Arcanus campaign and Living Arcanus campaign are going to run in parallel. Whatever adventures we put out, you could play in one system or the other. So if you prefer one system, we're still going to support it. You love Fifth Edition, we're supporting that. Okay. Now, one of the things I wanted to touch on, because um, we had talked even at Winter Fantasy about the possibility of you coming on to the podcast and talking about Arcanus, and you were really excited to share with me uh, the living campaign aspects of your setting and world. And I don't want to get too deep into it because I kind of feel like that might be a rabbit hole that we never get out of. <laughs> but when you were mentioning it to me, it sounded a lot like how Jim McClure talks about the Legend of the Five Rings campaign setting and that the players have a lot of control and ability to canonize their actions into the game world itself. Yeah. And I'm not really familiar with other campaign settings, living campaigns, so maybe that's standard. But that seemed very interesting to me. I really liked that aspect. Can you talk a little bit about how that process works with Arcanus? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, what we do is, uh, when we do adventures, right, 
we actually have a, a report that at the end, the GM fills out the report and sends it into us via email. Or at conventions, we literally just track tables and see what happens. And uh, depending on the actions of the players during an adventure, whatever the most amount of players do, that what that's what becomes canon. Uh, but that's not the only way that we allow players to affect the world. Uh, at Origins, we also always run a LARP. And during the LARP, players have a lot, a lot of ways to affect the story. Uh, interesting story that happened a few years ago, back when the Living Arcanus campaign happened. We had uh, an order, a religious order, that was ostracized from the Koryani Empire, which is our big Roman-esque empire. It's like a main empire of the campaign. Well, the entire campaign, we had all these players trying to get that holy order accepted back into uh, the Koryani Empire. Well, we actually had three adventures or four adventures planned out that would allow players to do that. We didn't expect them to do what they did at a LARP. At a LARP, they all got together and using every single favor and every trick they could pull and a ton of political maneuvering between different NPCs they actually got the order accepted into the church, and we had to delete about three adventures worth of material because, well, they did it. So it was fantastic. Actually, a lot, it's, a, it's a lot of fun that players, um, they always sit down at the end of every LARP and every Battle Interactive. Battle Interactive is a, like big battles that we run on multiple tables at once. Uh, we have something called Store... Uh, Story time with Henry. Henry Lopez is the story guy for Arcanus. Arcanus is his brainchild. He is one of the best storytellers I have ever met. And after every LARP and every BI, he stands up in the middle of the room and he tells everybody what happened. And he tells everybody, okay, so you messed us up again. Nice. This is what's happened. Um, and everybody gets a kick out of it. Yeah. So there's a lot of ways to affect it. Major events that we run at Origins. We run sometimes at Gen Con. Sometimes we'll run it at another convention that might request a battle interactive or something, and we might actually give it to them. Players sit down, they take part in these adventures, and their actions dictate what's going to happen. Every once in a while, we'll actually have like a... Like once in a blue moon, we'll actually have like a special mission where six or seven players have done something amazing at an interactive. will be invited to a one-shot table, and their, effect, their actions, again, affect the story. So... Oh, and we also recognize individual player actions. Like we had a battle interactive once where a character, a player permanently sacrificed his character to save a bunch of NPCs. We told him, you're not coming back from this. He's like, I don't care. This is what my character would do. And this guy had played this character for three years. It was three years worth of time on that paper. And he just threw it away because of this one moment. Well, in a published book, that came out later that year, one of our supplements, his character was mentioned and the action was mentioned of what he did. He completely geeked out on this. It was fantastic. Well, yeah. <laughs> he was like, oh my God, that's me. It was fantastic. <laughs> so we let players have a lot of uh, power over our storyline. Well, also we love to bring in uh, new writers. Uh, and if a writer comes to us with a great storyline for one of our adventures, we'll go with it. A lot of our, actually, a lot of our book writers started out as adventure writers in our living campaigns. Okay. 
So now we're getting ready to move into like current stuff and what you guys are working on now. But something you said just a second ago kind of struck with me. And I want to ask this question. Yeah. Were you guys, the the people behind Arcanus, were you gamers that were already playing in this setting and you decided just to kind of like produce it and make it available and try to sell it? Or where did you guys start as game designers and developers and said, hey, let's make a product? Arcanus is Henry's homeworld. Henry created Arcanus before I joined the company. It's funny. I was always friends with Henry and, and Nelson and stuff. We always gamed at the same store. But every time they ran a game, my schedule just never worked with them. But we were good friends. We used to play Magic, talk D&D. And they knew that I playtested 3.0. I was one of the one of the original playtesters, and then I was in the secondary playtest. So they asked me to come in and help them with mechanics, and that's how I discovered Arcanus. Um, I still remember sitting there and reading Henry's notes and being like, oh, my God, and how was I never allowed to play in this game? They were like, Pete, we invited you like a billion times. I'm like, God damn it. So, yeah, it, 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 it was Henry's home game, and it's changed because originally, like, in Henry's original home game, he didn't have some of the races we have now. Well, we incorporated D&D races, but we gave them all huge twists. They're not the normal D&D race you might bump into. For example, our dwarves, right? Why do dwarves in mythology always create these 50-foot-high ceilings and these huge double doors that you know a dwarf would never actually need, right? Well, in our world, dwarves are cursed celestial giants that were charged with watching over humanity. In the hubris, that humanity start to worship them. So when the gods took notice of what they were doing, uh, the head of the gods, Elir, who is a god of the sun and also the curse giver, cursed them to always stand below man and always toil beneath the earth to bathe in the light of their hearthstone. Basically, um, every one of their leaders was turned into a giant statue with their heart as a giant gem, and they had to bathe in the light of this hearthstone every few years. All those statues were underground. So when they got cursed, another god, Sharish, again, the god of magic, the god of deals, and he's like the used car salesman of the gods. He comes up and goes, I have a deal for you. I have a proposition. For the first enclave, the first clan to create the first perfect item, I will release your clan of the curse. Which is why dwarves in our world are obsessed with crafting. They're trying to break the curse. And that's our twist on dwarves. Oh, and another cool thing about dwarves is they're barred from the heavens because of the curse. So they all have these shards they wear around their neck called soul shards. When they die, their souls go back into the shards because they can't enter heaven. If you heal their body up to max hit points with magic, their soul pops back into their body. So they're almost immortal, except if you destroy the soul shard. In that case, really bad things start happening to them. When they die permanently of old age, their shards are taken to these giant vaults where all the other souls could communicate with each other. And the elders could walk in and ask these ancient souls for advice. And they're there for if they ever break the curse, all the shards will be broken and all of them will enter heaven. I mean, in all seriousness, I really like that. I think it's very cool. You're you're taking the known tropes that everyone knows from hundreds of years of Tolkien-esque fantasy, and you're tweaking it just enough that it's recognizable. These are still dwarves. They still do most of the things that dwarves do. 
but you give a little bit different of an explanation and maybe a, a, an explanation um, that makes sense, but it's still super cool. I, I really do like exactly. it. Exactly. We, we really went out of our way to try to do that with all the races. Like Darkin are like Tieflings, right? But the way we describe tar, uh, Darkin is um, it's a recessive gene. During the time of terror, which Infernals, long story, but Infernals were raping and pillaging, they created a lot of cantheon. And over the centuries, that blood got diluted. Well, now, centuries later, sometimes dark kin just happen. A noble family will have a child, and boom, it's a dark kin out of nowhere. It's not like some, it's not a, it's just a recessive gene that just happens. So uh, in some nations, they're completely accepted. In some nations, they're used. While in other nations, they're completely looked down upon as, you know, scum of the earth. So that's our twist on, like, the tiefling type uh, creature. Uh, then we have uh, then we have uh, the Alori, which are like our elves. Well, the Alori are a created race. They were created as slaves. Uh, they all have elemental. Uh, they were all created by this uh, empire called the Sethagorian Empire, that was using them as slaves because um, okay, the story they were actually creating elementals, but the elementals were kind of limited. Didn't have the right intelligence. They weren't great slaves. So they contacted these five, these four elemental gods, basically, the elemental lords. And they found this fourth, this fifth elemental lord, the elemental goddess that was part of the earth that they were in, like Gaia. They made a deal with all of them, which is you make us these, these creatures and they will exist on this plane to serve us, but as an extension of your will. So our elves, are actually tied to one of the five elements, earth, air, fire, water, or life. And as they go up in level, they can take, well, in fifth edition, they will get, they get little bloodline powers. Like, you know, they could heal or the, um, the, uh, the, the, the Morakine, which is earth, when their feet, only when their feet are connected to the ground, when they're touching the ground, they can actually get a little stronger. And they're hard to, like, move. If you try to tackle one, they're almost impossible to move because they're like the mountains. So that's our twist on, on, on elves. So like I said, all our races have a twist to them. So this sounds super cool. I am very interested in it. Hopefully some of our listeners are as well. So where could they go right now to get additional information? And then also want to touch on Origins. Like you, you've said before, that's a con you guys go to. Are you going to be at Origins this year? Oh my God, yes. Actually, we, we have some really cool stuff lined up for Origins. Uh, we're going to be pushing the campaign. We're hoping to start the campaign officially at the end of April or mid-March. No, actually, May. Mid-May, sorry. Mid-May. We're gonna, we want to kick it off with, 15, with 14, 15 adventures that are going to get you up and level enough that when you get to Origins, you could jump right into the, the storyline that the Legends of Arcanus campaign has already been involved in. The adventures we're putting out are going to be able, are designed specifically to give you a good trip around the realm. They're going to give you flavors of all our different cultures because our cultures are very different and flavorful depending on where you are. So when you play these 15 adventures and you get to Origins, you can play the adventures there. Now the Adventures of Origins will be released soon after Origins. And then at Winter Fantasy, uh, I think we're planning to have four adventures. Uh, but also, because I am who I am, I will have all the other adventures with me. And if a group of 
random individuals walks up to me and says, we want to play one of these mods we missed. I will run it for you. I have no problem doing that. I love it. <laughs> and what about Gen Con? Will you have a presence there as well? Yes, we will be at Gen Con as well. We are currently talking to Bald Men Games. Uh, they might be actually hosting us, which would be fantastic. Yeah, I'm actually old friends with the guys from Bald Men. I mean, way back from like Living Greyhawk. Actually, I know some of them from way back Living City, which was way back in second edition. But yeah, they might be hosting us. They're still in discussions to find out if they have room for us. But if they do, we might be with Baldman Games. Now, if we're not, we're still going to have events there. Right. Uh, now, Baldman Games just recently took over the entire D&D experience at Gen mm -hmm. Con. Uh, so that's going to be a very big transition for them. I mean, I, I think they were already doing a lot yep. of it. Uh, maybe even most of it, but now yep. they have the entire schedule. So it makes sense to me that they would want to have all their you know plans in place, ducks in a row, before they add anything else. Oh yeah, for sure. Now, so let me ask you a, a question here. I don't, I don't play a lot of Adventures League games. It's just not the type of style of game that I like to play. And plus, I've only recently started going to conventions. So with Arcanus, how does your tracking work across various events? I mean, if I just show up with an eighth level character and I pinky swear that I've I've earned that. Does it matter? Does, you know, how does that work? Well, the way it works is, no, actually, it's a lot of the honor system. We have these certs at the end of every adventure that track how much XP you got, uh, how, any gold you got, uh, any non-magical items you got. Then we have certificates to track magical items because you could trade magical items with people. Now, it's the honor system. You know, you, you send us what adventures you played to track events. Like, you know, oh, our group did X, Y, and Z. Um... And at some point, we're talking about doing like a tracking system where people actually will send us uh, that they played these adventures and they may actually get uh, some priority points or something, but that's way off. But right now, it's honor system. And honestly, we've been running the Legends of Arcanus campaign like that, and everybody's on the up and up. You know, for the most part, gamers are pretty darn honest. <laughs> for me, I mean, and I understand there's always room for manipulation. For sure. But one of the things that I didn't like about Adventures League, and one of the reasons why I don't think it fits my play style, is that it is so strict. And I understand. I understand why there's, you know, people can mess with things. But I think there should be room for flexibility. And, and I'm happy to hear exactly. that you guys do track this, but maybe not to that same rigidity. Yeah, and on top of that, we are, I know that some campaigns are very um, strict about table experience. They want the table experience to be the same for every group of players. We're not like that. Actually, uh, at the very beginning, um, at the, the, there's some boilerplate text at the beginning of our adventures. And I basically tell players, I mean, I say, tell the GMs, if the players go off mod, they go off mod. If they come up with a whole new way to tackle a problem in the adventure, don't say no, because the adventure doesn't cover that. No, you're the GM. It's your job. Wing it. As long as the players have fun at the table, and it's not you just saying, okay, guys, you won the combat, here are your magic items, yay, we win. As long as, you know, you're playing the game and everybody's having fun, go with it. Yeah, you should, of course, you know, you stay to the flavor of Arcanus and, and be a good storyteller, but you're not handcuffed by the stats in the mod. You're not handcuffed by the exact box text. You know, uh, like one of the old old um, jokes back in Living Greyhawk was you can't save versus box text. You know, nope, you have to sit there and be quiet and wait until I finish this box text. No, 
If the bad guy is monologuing and the ranger wants to shoot an arrow into his head, let them. They may have just missed some very important information they need later on. That seems to be somewhat universal because we had the same save versus box text joke. And, and my standard operating procedure was anytime there was box text, my character was assumed to have cast me yep. armor. Actually, the inside, uh, inside joke with a bunch of my friends here in Miami, because um, uh, we also play like Pathfinder, we play Marvel superheroes, we play a bunch of different games. The joke is every time you see the battle map come out, everybody casts something. <laughs> oh, the battle map's out, Mage Armor, or whatever your spells you're casting. <laughs> right. Okay, so you mentioned that you guys have 15 adventures. Can I go get them right now? Like, no, no, where can when I the campaign them? starts, you can download them. But but they are free products, right? They're free yeah. adventures? Yeah, and so is the Arcanist Primer. The Arcanist Primer is going to be a freebie. Okay, so you get everyone hooked. You're basically a pusher. But where's the catch? What is it that I'm going to have to pay for? <laughs> there is no... Well, okay, there is no catch. Okay, once you start playing the game, this is our idea. We want you to fall in love with Arcanist. We think our world is so freaking cool that once you start playing, you're going to want to buy our books that we are going to produce for the game. Uh, I'm working on a project called The Player's Guide to Arcanus, which is going to have a bunch of new archetypes. It's going to have some, it's going to have, you know, feats because we can't use the core feats because, well, they're not OGL. So um, it's going to have feats and it's going to have fighting styles and it's going to have all this cool stuff that, I'm, that we're developing. And we want you to buy it. We want you to fall in love with our world and buy our products. So the campaign, you get to play. And, you know, if you want to play the human fighter out of the player's handbook all the way to 20th, you can. Have fun. But we think that you, once you get into our world, you're going to want to see the other stuff we're producing and play it and use it. So, like, for example... We have a magic item book that we're going to be kickstarting soon. Um, kickstarting next week, or depends on when this podcast comes out. It might be out already. Right. Called Forged in Magic. Now, it's 400, a little, actually over 400 magic items for 5th edition. Most of them are going to have a nice chunk of story to them. Because we're really big into story. We love flavorful magic items in the background. You know, Sword Plus One isn't just a Sword Plus One. Somebody made that sword, and somebody probably used it before you got it. So we're hoping that with these products, people will discover us, read these stories, and be like, this is awesome, I want to play this, and then find our living campaign, play it, and say, this is amazing, I want more, and then buy the Player's Guide to Arcanus and the other products we're currently working on as well. And again, there's there's no shame in that. I mean, this is a business for you, mm -hmm. and you are certainly not the only ones doing something that you love and yeah. hoping that you can get paid for it. Um, but for you specifically, you do have modules that will be free. So even if I don't want to play in your setting, I still have access to these free modules that I can run core material with you know a little bit of a adaptation. I also have access to the primer, which gives me a lot of this very flavorful setting if I do want to dabble in it. Mm -hmm. And I even have opportunities to play in this setting at conventions. Uh, and all that's essentially free, you know, other than buying the ticket, ticket yeah. convention. But if I do want to spend money and I want to support your company, uh, you know, where can I get my hands on this material? Like, are you going to release stuff this year? Actually, to be honest, uh, we don't have a specific date yet. And we've learned that we should never give dates. Okay. <laughs> um, 
we have some products that we're working on to come out at Gen Con and after that. Now, the Player's Guide is not going to be out at Gen Con and Origins. The Player's Guide is turning out to be a huge freaking product. And honestly, we want to give players more of a chance to play the world and discover us before we put that book out. Now, we recently had a Kickstarter for the Leg- for uh, for the Arcana system called the First City, which is uh, a, you know a, a part of our world uh, that we finally fleshed out. Uh, we are talking we're going to be converting that to fifth edition. We also have another book called Sethagor and the Coils of the Serpent Empire that we will also be converting to fifth edition. And that's like a setting book and a monster a monster book in one. So that's gonna that one is really good for GMs. And honestly, the way that one's written. No matter what world you're playing in, you could actually grab Sethagor and probably just drop it in with very little modification. Yeah, people are always looking for more monsters. Oh, for sure. That's just something people love. Yeah. You know, bestiaries, always good yeah, stuff. Yeah, and the way we're working on it, um, the cool thing about it is not only is it going to have uh, the bestiary, which it's turning out to be pretty big so far, but it's going to have a lot of character creation rules for some of these monsters in case you want to play an, a campaign in Sethagor. If you want to play an evil campaign with all the backstabbing and the manipulation, everything going on there, which is really intense the way it's written, you will have the tools to make characters to play in that empire. Okay. I am already on board. I want to check this out and get more information. Assuming some of our listeners do as well, where can they go for more information? I'm sure you have a website, right? Yes. www.paradigmconcepts.com. I'll throw that in the show notes. Awesome. And uh, you will see also we have uh, another product called Rotted Capes, uh, which is uh, one of my personal, was my personal favorite monkey gaming, creating the rules for it. Uh, It's basically what happens in the golden age of superheroes when there's a zombie apocalypse. Zombies are like Jell-O. There's always room for more. (laughs) So that's our other product line. We also have another product line for now called Witch Hunter The Invisible World, which is gothic horror swashbuckling adventures uh, set in the colonial era. So, yeah, we have those games out. We have another one that we're currently working on. Uh, it's a Cthulhu-based uh, story product. It, it was going to be called Strange Eons, but we are changing the name up some, and we'll have some more news on that one later. Excellent. And once again, that is ParadigmConcepts.com. Mm-hmm. And where can people get a hold of you? Um, recently, you joined Twitter, right? Well, they can find me at Nunspa, which is N-U-N-S-P-A. And uh, they can find my email also on uh, the Paradigm Concept site. And that's pci.thestatmonkey at gmail.com. And all of that will be in the show notes. So the next convention you're going to be at is Origins, right? Yes. So if people want to find your games, uh, do you know how they're listed? Because I'm actually currently working on my list for Origins right now. Awesome. Well, Origins is kind of like Archon. We run something called The Gathering, which is a, a big conglomerate of all these RPGs, and we run it for Origins. But if you look up The Gathering, you will find all the Arcanist events in there. We have, uh, if I remember correctly, we have three adventures, a LARP, and a Battle Interactive. And we have an open library as well. So if you show up and you want to play some of the other adventures, you can. Sounds good. And uh, if anyone's listening and would like to check those out as well, you may find me there. Uh, I am definitely going to have at least one of those events on my schedule. 
I will be all over there, so if, I will definitely be all over the place. So if you t- if you Twitter me, I will find you. Okay, all of this sounds amazing, uh, but, but we have kind of neglected to touch on your impending Kickstarter for Magic Reforged. Now, you've already talked about a lot of the free content that's going to be available soon uh, and all the different ways that we can get involved in Arcanus, but you do have a Kickstarter coming up soon that will allow us to support you as well as to get a whole book full of very lore-heavy and flavorful magic items that we can drop into our home games. Do you have pricing for that yet? Do you know what it's going to cost for a copy of this? Okay, well, I I don't know the, 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 the pricing right now. I'm, I'm totally sorry. But the product, Forged and Magic, was actually a product we did back in the D20 days. And it was one of our best-selling D20 adventures. The story behind it is we all used to play second edition and we all used to love you remember that Middle Earth role-playing game book that was all magic items? I don't. I, I do believe you that it exists, though. It was amazing. It was as magic items of Middle Earth. And the thing that got us is that every single one of these the items in there had this really cool story to it, right? So we thought, why don't we do this for D20? And we did Forge and Magic. And Forge, it, it, it turned out to be fantastic. A lot of people liked it. And now with 5th edition, we're going back to it and we're redoing it, which is why we're calling it Reforged. Makes sense. And uh, we're updating all the magic items of 5th edition. And not only do we have all these magic items, but the magic items, for the most part, have these great stories tied to them that in, with a little bit of fumbling, like, you know, changing Alori, which is our elves, to elves, you could easily fit it into any game world. Of course. And... A lot of the the items uh, go from very minor in power to artifact level. And not only that, but we also have, uh, it's one of the stretch goals, we have a runic item system, which I originally created for our Arcanist role-playing game, which I'm converting over to 5th edition, which are runes that can be transcribed onto non-magical items to make them magical. And depending on what item you put the rune on, the effects of it change. So a rune of a flame rune on a sword is different than a flame rune on your armor, and different than a flame rune on a wand. They have different effects. Very cool. Yeah. So it, what what's cool about this is like, let's say that you find a, a sword with a fire rune, and then you come across a sword of the first Imperium. It's not magical, but it's a beautiful freaking sword. You're not going to do the traditional D&D, well, I have a plus one sword, so I'm going to ignore this amazing sword with all this history. No, you're going to go to a runesmith, have them transfer that rune over, and now your sword has the power of that rune. So you get to keep the cool sword with the awesome history that may not be magical, and now it's magical. And you don't have to, like, you know, oh, well, I have to use my plus one weapon to get past this guy's damage resistance. No, you have a rune weapon. And runic weapons are very minor in power to powerful enough that you have to, to atone yourself, to attune yourself to them. So they're balanced out just like all the other magic items, but they give you some freedom of what you could do with them in the game. We actually talked about magic items on a recent table topics called Magical Theory. And that was the, one of the things that I brought it up that I didn't really care for in some of the earlier games that I ran and, and I played in is that you would have characters with magic items that they kept only until they got the next cooler magic item. Mm -hmm. And that I preferred, particularly as a DM, to have a magic item that could grow in power over time with the character. And I often just use some very hand-wavy legacy mechanics. It sounds like 
you're doing kind of the same thing, but you're using an actual mechanical process that could be understood by the players as well as, you know, the characters to accomplish kind of the same thing, uh, which keeps the characters from having a cart full of magical weapons that they pick through for each encounter. Oh, werebears, huh? I guess it's time for my plus two mace versus were creatures. (laughs) Yeah, tell me about it. Well, back in D20, we actually had the rules for legacy items because we thought the same thing. You know, it drove us crazy that you know, you find this uh, in, in, in Henry's home game when we were playtesting Arcanus. I found this great sword that had the, all this history of one of the fam of my character's family, for God's sake. And he got annoyed that I was always pulling out the more powerful magic item in the middle of the fight. He's like, why are you using a sword? I'm like, because it's only a plus one and this was a plus three of speed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's when we were coming up with the legacy rules uh, where they weren't broken. And I'm actually bringing those rules to 5th edition, but they are a little bit more hand-weighty because 5th edition is a little bit more hand-weighty, where I give a lot of suggestions on how to do it. And sometimes I even suggest awakening rituals where, you know, the sword, this sword is is only a plus one, but then you find out later on in the campaign that this sword if bathed in the moon of, you know, two in the light of two of the moons on a specific night, something else happens because of the history of the blade. Well, not only did that just create an item that grows with the character, it just created a story hook for a campaign. Okay, I like it. I like it a lot. But we don't have the pricing yet, but we do know that the Kickstarter goes live on April 19th. Mm-hmm. And if everything works out, this episode will actually come out on the 19th. So if you're listening to this, the Kickstarter is live. Uh, I assume it will run for about 30 days. Yeah, it's going to run 30 days. Actually, uh, okay, I have the pricing, but it might change before we go live. Oh, fantastic. We can add a caveat that unless something changes, this will be the pricing, but it could change. Exactly. Assuming it doesn't, the $15 pledge gets you the PDF with all the stretch goals. Stretch goals include, by the way, we're going to be doing like layers for some of these items again, because our items are so flavorful and some of them are very, you know, Alorian, Elven or Dwarven. As we hit stretch goals, we're going to have these layers where you might find that item. And that's going to be part of the PDF stretch goals at $35. You get the full printed book that will be shipped after the, uh, after the Kickstarter is over, of course. Uh, what's the book is 100% complete with all the stretch goals. Um, and then we have something at $125 where you get to submit a magic item that's put in the book and becomes part of Arcanus Canon. And then the last layer, the last one, there's only five of these. It's $200. Not only do you get to create an item that ends up in the book, but we do a piece of art that looks like you holding said magic item in Arcanus. Can it look like a thinner version of me? It can look like a thin version of you. You know, we did the same thing. We did the same thing with Rotted Cates, uh, where people got to make a hero, and the hero looked like them. And several of my friends lost more than 50 pounds in the creation of their hero. <laughs> well, ex- exactly. This is my fictional avatar. It can look like a man. Exactly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Well, Pedro, or Stat Monkey. Is there anything that I didn't ask you about or give you enough opportunity to cover that you think it is important for someone to know who might be wanting to check out Arcanus or who might potentially support your upcoming Kickstarter? Uh, Nothing I can think of, except there's one thing I want to not only 
I want to give you and your our well our, at this moment our listeners. I will be sending you our original D20 products for the world, the Codex Arcanus, that you can put up on your website for free for everyone. That is super cool. It's about 300 pages of story and about 60 pages of D20 stats uh, for the old system. But even though our world has developed a lot over time and our, a lot of our ideas have become a little bit more uh, concrete, Reading the Codex Arcanus gives you a really good idea of what the world's about. And a lot of the core ideas didn't change. So anybody who reads it gets a really cool idea about what our world's about. And honestly, if you want to run a home game using it, you are more than welcome to. Again, that is awesome. Thank you. And I look forward to checking it out myself. Just make sure you tell us about it because we'd love to hear about people's games. And believe it or not, I'd love to hear about people's characters. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> You're the one guy that everyone's searching for. I'm the one guy that if you sit me down and you tell me the story about the epic game that you guys ran for a year in Arcanus, I'm the guy that'll sit there and listen. So you're the one that's causing the rest of us problems because they think they're talking to you instead of us. Exactly. It's totally my <laughs> fault. I take full responsibility. Well, I appreciate that. Well, Pedro, thank you once again for your time. Thank you for sharing uh, Arcanus with with me and with my listeners. It really does sound super cool. And I just, I love the idea that this is just a world that you and your friends were playing in and you were creating for, for a long time and that you clearly have a love for it. And I hope that any potential listeners uh, will keep in mind that, you know, I love Eberron. It's, it's my favorite setting, but I don't necessarily use everything from Eberron. Sometimes oh, I pick sure. and choose. I don't particularly like Dark Sun, but there's elements of Dark Sun that I might pick and choose out of. So even if someone has a homebrew world they love or they have an existing setting that they love, that doesn't mean they can't get something valuable from Arcanus. And particularly because so much of it is free. You're giving so much of it free that there's really no reason not to at least check it out. And I hope people will also check out uh, this this Kickstarter. They can help support you and the company. And hopefully they will support you in the future as well. So with all of that out of the way, Pedro, StatMonkey, once again, thank you for your time. I wish you the best of luck uh, with your company in the future of Arcanus, and I will see you at Origins. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast, the flagship program of the RPG Academy Network. If you enjoy what we do here, then please check out therpgacademy.com and visit our site partners for additional entertainment and gaming advice. We do this out of love for the hobby and for you, our fans. The podcast and site content will always be free for you to enjoy and utilize. But we do have expenses related to the show. If you'd like to help out in any way, please visit patreon.com slash therpgacademy.com and check out the rewards we are providing for your monthly pledges. We use all funds that come in to improve the show and give you better content and quality. And if you don't have the coin to spend, don't worry. You can still help us out in many ways. You can subscribe to our show on iTunes and or Stitcher Radio. You can leave us a five-star review. Also, if you clear your cookies and you visit Amazon or the drive-thru RPG site through our portal, We get a small percentage of what you pay, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. 
Just like any RPG, our site works best with open lines of communication. We love talking with our listeners about everything. Please contact us with any questions, concerns, and comments that you have. We also love to hear feedback and experiences from your own games. You can email us via podcast at therpgacademy.com and reach us on social media such as Facebook and Google Plus at the RPG Academy. But Twitter is usually the fastest way to reach us. You can find my favorite co-host, the Caleb G, at the Caleb G. And you can find my favorite co-host, Michael, at the RPG Academy. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. <laughs>